This is Abscond with Ethan Renault, episode 9. The music you're listening to is by my friend Nick Lang. That's N-I-C-K-L-E-N-G. Check him out on SoundCloud. He's got a lot of great stuff on there. And Spotify. And Spotify. Um, I'm here in the back of my house in our little studio office with my brother Luke Renault. Hey, what's up? Um, Luke is a professional photographer. He attended uh, the Rocky Mountain School of Photography. And he loves taking, how do you describe your style or your pictures? Conceptual, visual art, uh, Photoshop art usually. So as you're listening, you can check out Luke Renault on Flickr. It's just Luke Renault, same last name as me. And, or Instagram. Yeah, at Luke Renault, or uh, even LukeRenault.com. Yeah, so check out all those places so that you'll have some idea of what we're talking about as we're going through this. Most people, I guess when they see your work, they describe it as weird or (laughs) crazy. Yeah, surreal or, yeah, lots of people say strange. People tell me they don't understand it. There's not really, I don't know, it speaks to people differently. Yeah, it's pretty Photoshop heavy. You combine a lot of different things. Or put things in places they shouldn't be or in different sizes than they usually are. Photo photo manipulation. Yeah. And composite photography. So what did you do this morning? This morning I had the opportunity to have a Skype interview with the school that I went to. And it was really a good experience. Kind of the same type of thing we're doing here. So you kind of taught a class this morning. Sort of. I sort of just got to get... Interviewed by an old instructor I had, talk about my creative process and my uh, the way I generate ideas and how concepts all come together. So there might be some photographers listening who want to know like what you shoot with, what do you edit with? Yeah, I have a Canon 5D Mark III that I got about a year and a half ago, and I use Photoshop, obviously, and Lightroom. Do you shoot only with the red red ring lenses, or what are they called? Uh, they're called uh, L lenses. Looked. I think it stands for luxury or something, but yeah, I have mostly those lenses. Um, and you have a Canon tattoo on your wrist, right? Yeah. And I know that a long time ago you said, you, I heard you tell someone once that you have two wrists, the other one could be for Nikon, but you're not sure yet. Do you yeah. still? No, that, that was just what I said to people when they said, oh, what if you switch camera brands? And they would just try to make a joke about my tattoo. But I also got it when I was 17. <laughs> I don't know if I would still get it. If I had the choice to go back. Are you still loyal to Canon? Yeah, as far as camera bodies. Do you think there's such thing as having an eye for photography? Do you yeah. think some people have it and some people don't? Yeah, and not just photography, but art in general, and the visual, mostly just visual art in my experience. One of the things I learned in the last couple of years is that some people just don't have, I don't know, they don't have good taste. Yeah. <laughs> I never understood. <laughs> I never understood why some people couldn't understand why something looked good. Yeah. You can't teach the eye that people have. That was going to be my next question. You think they can get better at it if they wanted they to? Can get, they can get better at it, for sure. But I don't know if it's something you can teach. It's something that comes from experience, I think. I don't know. I just don't think you can teach taste and good taste. Yeah. Um, I used to be in this poetry class <laughs> in college, and there was this guy in there, and he was probably in his 40s, 
And um, he, for one of the projects, we had to write a poem. And it just had to, like, rhyme and have meter. So meter is like the da-dun, 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 mm-hmm. you know? And so he just could not, for the life of him, figure out meter. It's like he literally could not figure out why certain lines didn't line up with other lines. He's like, but they rhyme. <laughs> and he just, so we'd be like, clap. And he, like, could not, for the life of him, figure it out. So did you have people like that at uh, Rocky Mountain School of Photography or anything that just could not, for the life of them, figure it out and they probably shouldn't have been there? Yeah, but I don't think that they shouldn't have been there. I think there's people that have a lot to learn and they're starting out. I don't know. There are a lot of people who are just starting out. So it was good that they were there, but there were some people like me, too, who, who had a lot of experience beforehand. Yeah. So I'm curious. What's the worst thing someone could say to you about your photography or one of your pictures? Um, Not like saying that it's bad, but like the the most annoying thing they could say. or Something that bugs me about photography in general is people who say like, wow, your camera must be really good. Or, (laughs) hey, I wish I could be, all I need to do is get this nice camera and then I could be as good as you. Yeah. But it's like, I'll trade cameras with you and I'll still take better photos than you. (laughs) You It's about people are too obsessed with equipment. And your, right. your camera is good enough. You just have to know how to use it. Yeah. Yeah, because you and I both know people that have, like, Canon 60Ds or maybe even 5Ds that the, can't. The, White House, the current White House photographer has a 1DX, which is like a $6,000 camera, just the body. And he's terrible. Yeah. He's really bad. He's the one that, like, cuts off people's limbs yeah, or has crooked know, horizons. He doesn't know composition at all. But the guy before, Pete Souza, Souza is his name, he's an incredible photographer. Obama's photographer? Yeah, he's really good. Yeah. Um, well, that was going to be a question I had for later, but do you... What would you recommend to someone who, say, just has an iPhone, like, no Photoshop, but they want to start creating yeah. stuff, conceptual stuff? Yeah, it always irks me a little bit when people use iPhones, but if that's all you have, you got to use it. And there's apps on your phone you can get too. And I know some people on Instagram who have a big following and they make really cool work, but they do it all on their phone and their phone apps. And they just practice it a lot. I'd say start there. And then if you really like it and want to get more into it, definitely upgrade to a DSLR. Yeah, that stands for oh. Digital Single Lens Reflex. I think something also a lot of people would be curious to know after looking at your pictures is how do you come up with your ideas for them? Where do you get your inspiration? That's what I was talking about a little bit earlier today on Skype with the class. There's a lot of different stuff. Sometimes I'll just go on a stock website and find a stock photo that I like and just work on it in Photoshop and kind of it evolves as I as I work on it. Or I'll just go back through my Lightroom catalog and find photos that I never really used, and I'll maybe throw them in an edit. There's a lot of different stuff you use for idea generation. But obviously, I've gone out and shot with you before, and there are a lot of times where you have an idea in your head oh, yeah. um, in advance. So where do you get that, or how do, how do those come to you? Or I don't know. That's a hard question to answer. They just kind of happen. I just try to think of something that I could make that you have maybe never seen before or something I've never seen before. So I want to bring it in to existence. So you also just did what you call a 365 project. Can you talk about that real quick? Yeah, just a photo. You create a photo a day or an image a day for a whole year. And originally I gave myself 14 months to complete it. 
and I think I went just over 14 months. So it wasn't like a true 365, but I gave myself a lot of wiggle room. But basically, if you do anything every day, there's no way you won't get better at it. Mm-hmm. And now I have this massive portfolio of 400 good images. Well, they're not all good, but yeah. you know, I have a big portfolio now. Yeah. And so I was wondering, like doing the 365, did that change how you thought of inspiration? Since you're not necessarily waiting for inspiration to come to you, yeah. you have to create something every day. Yeah, that's... That got a little annoying because I would just be like, you just run out of stuff to do so fast. And that's how it really pushes your creative creativity. The most important time to go shoot or create an image is when you don't want to. That's sometimes when my best stuff came around. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about doing nude photography? And if not, would you like to start with me? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I did uh, shirtless photos of you. Yeah, like every single one. So I downloaded a couple pictures from Flickr last night. Um, So I'm going to describe them, and then maybe you just tell me kind of how it came into existence. So this first one is, I was there when you took it. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine of you, and you're standing on this jetty in New Jersey, and it's a stormy day. We went out during the storm. And so the waves are crazy. It's very the whole picture is grayish, and um, so some ones of you are closer to the camera, walking toward the water. And as they get to the water, they kind of just float up into the air in a way. And so the furthest one is like in the top right corner. You're very small, just like drifting away. So it's all you. It's like a clone, clones, walking to the water and floating away. So tell me about how that picture came into existence. Well, this is another. This is an example of me just shooting a bunch of photos and then being like, I'm sure I can make something cool out of this later on. And so I just set up my tripod and had it shoot a photo every couple seconds. And then I walked out towards the water and just kind of walked around and and let it take all these different photos of me in different places. And then back in Photoshop, it just all came together. And I sometimes inspired by other artists. This one is kind of inspired by this guy named Sean J. Mundy. He does a lot of stuff like this where there's just a lot of the same figure and they're all kind of anonymous and it's just kind of like something you'd never see in real life. Yeah. And then it just all came together. I just started adding more of myself and then I was like, hey, maybe some of them should be floating. And so it just transformed <laughs> from there and I kind of made it a gradient from dark to light. So it's like even more of a dynamic photo in that way. Sort of like leaving the darkness and floating toward the light. I guess so. what it looks like. Yeah, and then just, yeah, I don't know. And then the other one I got is this one. Yeah, I talked about this one this morning. Oh, really? Yeah, this is uh, this is a great example also of me just, <laughs> I took a bunch, I took a... Well, describe the picture first. Oh, yeah. There's me against a white background, and I'm just staring off, kind of, and I'm missing the whole top of my head. Like right above your eyebrows? Above my eyebrows, and you see, like, what appears to be my brain, just out there in the open and then there's a hand that's just reached in and grabbed a big handful of brain brain and gore and there's blood dripping down my face so this one is actually a combination of over 50 images all the brain elements are mashed up ripe cherries that i mashed in a bowl and i just photographed my hand holding a whole handful of these mashed up cherries and then i photographed 
the cherries by themselves dropping. And well, the whole thing started with one of the things I've always done in the past five years is just shoot photos of myself against a white background or a black background and then figure out what to do after that in Photoshop. And that's what I did here. I just found the cherries, decided to add those in. It just evolved from there. So you didn't have the idea for like a brain scoop no, from the beginning? Not when I shot it, but as soon as I, I don't know, I had this idea. I was like, I wonder what food or some kind of some kind of thing in my fridge. I don't know. Sometimes I set goals like that too. I'm just like, I'll make a photo out of whatever thing I find in my fridge or whatever photo I make in the next hour is what I'm going to post, no matter how bad it is. That kind of stuff happened throughout my 365 a lot. So it's kind of like forced inspiration, not yeah. waiting for inspiration. Now, would you say that that's a good thing? Well, yes, because out of the 365 images I made, without forcing myself to make them, I probably would have made about 25 of them. Yeah. For a while there, I was not making images very often, and it wasn't good for my creativity. So... You are the subject of a lot of your pictures. Is that just because you don't have other people to shoot, or do you prefer shooting yourself, or is there a reason behind that? It's a little of both, but it's mostly because when you have to make an image every single day, you run out of you know people to shoot, or people don't want to be in a photo every single day. And I'm always around when I want to shoot, so. <laughs> and I was usually just like, had like a quick one hour or two hours, this is my free time today for me to make this photo. So it really wasn't realistic to call someone up and have them come meet me, you know? Yeah. Plus, I also know exactly how I want the model to look. And if it's me, then I can just do it. Yeah. You know, it's a lot easier. Well, there are some downsides of shooting yourself. Oh, yeah. I know from personal experience, like getting the focus and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, focus is really... I struggled with focus for a long time until I finally learned about an intervalometer, which is that thing that just I attach and it just takes a photo repetitively until I stop it. Does that refocus every yeah, time? Yeah, you can also make it ref like focus every single time. Oh. So that's a really good way to get crisp self-portraits. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, who have you shot the second most? You. It's me? Okay. Probably. Is that because I'm your favorite model? Yeah, probably. <laughs> you yeah, heard it. You yeah. heard it here, folks. So with the other portraits that you do of people, how do you go about shooting a subject how do you think through like this person needs to be shot like this or with this pose like for instance um recently you shot your friend hannah while she was pregnant right in the bathtub yeah. filled with milk or something well, that's, yeah that's like a fad type thing that pregnant like maternity photo fad type thing where they just fill the tub up with milk and put flowers in there and then why like well not all milk but milk and water because then it's just like this, I don't know, it's like a, it looks good, I guess. I don't know. Only with pregnant women? Oh, not only with pregnant, no. I, yeah, no, that's not what I meant. Oh. But they do it with like an infant or just like, I've seen it with just models too. Did she want that? I don't know why. It's was not just like, for pregnant. Luke, shoot me in the bathtub with milk. No, we were, I was trying to think of ideas and I'd never done that before. So I tried it out. Oh, so going back to the other question then, how do you, like, how do you think through... Like, you shoot our friend Fondue, who's not really our friend, more of our enemy. <laughs> um, <laughs> you shoot a lot of other people, so how do you think through... I, I don't know, it's not super different for people. Or do you usually my, let them decide how they want to be shot? Or My own art that I make is usually someone that's anonymous. I usually have their face turned away or covered up or decapitate them or something. <clears throat> so, it's usually the same when I'm making my own stuff, but... 
like if someone asked me to photograph them and I just do a photo shoot for them, I don't know. I just kind of let them guide me and how they want to shoot. I don't really do anything different for different people yet. Yeah. Because you're not, you're not a huge, just like straight up portrait person like mm-hmm. Annie Leibovitz or something. No, I used, that's what I wanted to do when I started out. So I usually focus on the, the conceptual surrealistic aspect. More of a Salvador Dali than Annie Leibovitz. Yeah. Um, Although she does some pretty cool conceptual stuff too. She does? I thought she just like, photographs celebrities. Well, she does fas- like fashion photography, but it's often pretty fantastical and like mysterious. Oh. I've I've seen some of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, she's great, obviously. When I was in a photojournalism class in college one time, um, we had a couple classes that were on, like, ethics. For instance, if you're a photojournalist and you're in, like, Africa or Iran or something during a war, like, what's the ethic behind, like, photographing a dead body? You know, like, on the one hand, you're, you're documenting this event that happened, and, like, your job is to be a photojournalist. On the other hand, you're literally taking a picture of this person's dead body for your own portraiture. And obviously what you do is kind of the opposite of photojournalism. Mm-hmm. But is, are there any kind of ethical dilemmas that you face in your creation? Well, speaking to the photojournal dead body story thing, um, I think it's important that they do shoot the hard stuff to look at. And so that... You know, what What do they say? Like, what did the, what was that president? He said, make sure we take photos of it or else they'll try to erase it and say it never happened. Oh, I don't know. It was like, they said that about the Holocaust. Like, we need to take photos or else they won't believe it in a hundred years. Mm-hmm. So I think there is definitely, that needs to happen. And there's another, there's a civil war photographer who got in huge trouble or just got huge, uh, you know, people didn't like him because he would drag bodies around in the in the battlefield to help his composition really like he just had this famous photo of a battlefield with all these dead soldiers but it came out later that he had rearranged where they were to make (laughs) it look to make it look better so obviously that's unethical but yeah um, but in my own stuff but there was this one photographer in i think it was rwanda in the 90s he took that famous picture of it's a little girl. You can't tell it's a girl, though, but it's a little girl, and she has her head down, and she's, like, crawling kind of toward but past the camera, kind of, or she's just kind of laying there, like, in a fetal position, face down, and, like, behind her, 10 feet, is, like, a vulture just staring oh, at her. That. Yeah, she's, like, starving. Yeah, she's, like, starving to death, and the photographer committed suicide three months later because... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because he was so depressed, and he's like, what am I doing? Like, I wasn't helping her. Apparently, after he took the picture, he just, like, left, just left her there. And he's like, as a photographer, I wasn't there bringing food. I wasn't there, um, But he's bringing that story to all of us 300 million people here in our nice, cozy lives. Like, we never would... That's such a powerful image. I remember seeing it in high school. Like, if he hadn't been there and took that photo, then, you know, we wouldn't really realize the extent of the things that are happening. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was the dilemma, I guess, is like, on the one hand, X, on the other hand, Y. Yeah. So. I can't, I don't see why he couldn't have taken the photo and then given her some food afterwards, but... Yeah. Well, I mean, she was one of probably yeah, hundred, hundreds of starving thing. kids that were there. Yeah, but I mean, have you come across anything like that with your own personal photography, or is it different? Not really. 
the ethics in the Photoshop realm is like, it's always been the debate of like commercial photography and Photoshopping people to look better and like, you know, setting these standards for young girls and stuff with the, with the like perfectly every Photoshop models and stuff. That's not really what you do though. No, but I do have an opinion on it. I think, I don't think it's unethical or wrong, but I think it shouldn't be passed off as these are actually what these people look like. Right. It should be like, yeah, we made this person look perfect and it's obviously photoshopped. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've heard from some photographers that like, there's a difference between taking temporary things away. So for instance, a zit, like a zit on her cheek, you get rid of that. It's not a big deal. But, like, making them 20 pounds lighter or more toned or making their yeah. face thinner. Like, those are the kinds of things that are... Yeah, I had this... When I was taking a community college photography class, I had my friend Kyle come in and model for me and the rest of the class. But beforehand, we went out and got food. And he ate a lot, and he had this food belly. So, <laughs> food baby. So, I did shrink his stomach, but it was because that's not the way it normally looked. <laughs> so, that's an example I use for people. I had to get rid of the food baby. <laughs> yeah, because it's not a permanent thing. Yeah, he didn't always look that fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are there any other things that you would say to anybody about photography or your photography specifically or anything else? Like if someone... Misconceptions, maybe? Misconceptions? About photography, photographers. Well, I already kind of addressed it with the camera thing. Yeah. One huge misconception is the camera is the thing that makes the photo good. Right. Obviously, it's not. Yeah. I would say if you want to get into photography or any kind of visual art, definitely take up a time-based project, like a 365, something that forces inspiration onto you instead of waiting for it to come around because it'll only come every few weeks. Yeah. A couple days. Yeah, true. And I'm experiencing that too now with my New Year's resolution of one YouTube video, one podcast, and one blog a week. Yeah. It's hard, right? Yeah, it's hard, but it's fun too because it's like, well, what do I get to think of? Exactly. To create now and it's fun it's also cool one thing i noticed it paid off because now i have people waiting you know to see the next one and during my 365 that was really cool people would send me messages and say like so excited to see like the next thing that you come up with and so that would be inspiration for me to come up with a new thing yeah because i know people want to see it yeah true that and I think another misconception about photography, or I used to think this, I guess, years ago before I took photography classes or anything, just that photography doesn't really count as an art form because, like, if I'm going to paint something, I'm going to put so much time into the strokes and the colors and mm-hmm. everything, whereas with ph- photo- photographers are just pushing a button, is yeah. what I would always say. But, I mean, I've taken several photography classes now, and you and I photograph and obviously you went to school just for photography yeah and now you do that kind of as a as a career so uh, that's that's kind of another misconception too right that yeah people think oh you're just pushing a button but before i pushed that button i spun three dials and pushed four other buttons to get it to look exactly the way it's going to look and then i took it home and i spent two more hours on it pushing hundreds of buttons on my laptop you know it's not just the one button Right. That's the most important button, but there's so much before and after that goes into it. Yeah. And then coming up with the idea, which isn't... Oh, yeah. And then composition is a whole different thing. Pushing buttons is just a technical aspect, which is very important, but then there's the whole visual side, making it look good and all that stuff. Composition, exposure, idea, execution. Concept. Story is a big thing that I've recently... Like, what's the story with this photo? 
Is it just this guy standing there looking cool, or is there like, is it worth a thousand words? You know, is this photo going to be worth a thousand words? Yeah, exactly. Um, the last question I have, um, I asked Casey and Allison last night what they would want to ask you. So some of those questions were oh, cool. influenced by them. But the last question, Casey wanted to know, have you met Casey? I think once briefly. Oh, well. Maybe not. Shout out to Allison and Casey. The last question they wanted to know is, what's your deal? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hundred bucks an hour for a shoot? That's a deal. No, he said, what's your deal? I know. <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> well, I guess he'll listen and hear <laughs> that. Um, so thanks so much for sitting down with me. Um, yeah. Listeners, if you have any more questions for Luke, or if you want to hear him talk about other things, or um, if you never want to, me to have him on this podcast again, let me know. Write in. Go to ethanreno.com and click the contact button, which sends an email straight to me. You can email me directly at ethan at ethanreno.com. Connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. It's all just my name, Ethan Reno. And check out my brother's artwork. Again, it's Instagram, just at Luke Renault. At Luke Renault. And or then... Luke LukeRenault.com. He's also on Flickr, yeah. which is also just Luke Renault. Yeah, there's a link to the Flickr on both the website and the Instagram. Yeah. So. You also have a Facebook page, but yeah, I, don't, I feel like... There's, yeah, I'm on Facebook, too. But that's not as... I don't post there very often. Yeah. That, too. If you so, Google my name, though, I recently found out both of us, we have, like, the only names in the whole world of our own name yeah so if you just google our name we'll come up there's a lot of luke and ethan renos like r-e-n-o yeah but we're the only ones with the e at the end renault which is really great for us yeah so luke and ethan renault connect with us on social media and we'll talk to you there thanks so much for listening guys this has been abscond with ethan renault episode nine with my special guest my brother luke renault talk to you guys later thanks Ha, ha, ha.